When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hello, Her Hoop Stats fans. Today, it's Aaron Barzlai coming uh, at you for the Her Hoop Stats Unplugged podcast. Megan Gower's on vacation, but we'll be back uh, next week. So today, I'm joined by Gabe Ibrahim. Gabe, how you doing? I'm good. I'm inescapable on this podcast feed, on the YouTube channel, on the Twitter. I am inevitable. I'm here. And you're going to see me every day of the rest of your life, at least for the rest of the playoffs. Multimedia star, Gabe Ibrahim. Indeed. I was so, wondering, do you think that our podcast today might have the uh, toughest pair of last names uh, to pronounce in WNBA podcasting history? Or who else would give us a rival? I don't know. I mean, I think you can mess up anyone's last name. Um, so, I mean, certainly, I don't think, like, Ibrahim is hard because people are, like, for Americans. But when I go to different countries it's pretty easy they're just like oh ibrahim because there's a, there's like millions and millions and millions of ibrahims in the world um they just don't happen to live here um so i don't know i mean bars lies tough from when you see it but once you hear it it's like oh that makes perfect sense why why it's pronounced like that <laughs> perfect sense that's what i always say yeah no what's the uh, have you um had your what's the weirdest way you've, you've had your name butchered uh, over the years um, so I actually went with Ibrahim for a long time because I was like, you know, I just want people to understand that there's an I in front mm. instead of an E or an A. Um, but mo- a lot of people just say like Abraham and I'm like, how, yeah. how are you getting that from the spelling of my name? Like it's, I mean, there's obviously a connection here, but that's not the same. That's not the same spelling at all. Uh, I'm trying to think, I mean, some people try to put like a, like a heme in there. And I think that that's probably accurate, but that's not how I pronounce it because I did like we're Cuban and we grew up and I grew up here. So, um, wait, wait, say that again. How do you, am I not saying it right at the end then? It's not Ibrahim. Well, you, it's like, they try to like really put it in. It's like uh, Ibrahim. Uh, I'm like, <laughs> you know, that's, that's cool. I appreciate the effort, but we can, we can, uh, we can, we can get a little bit, you know, you can relax. It's, it's I'm, I'm chill guy. Ibrahim is fine. Um, exactly. yeah. So it's, 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 uh, Oh, and I, Ibra- yeah, they're like Ibrahim ham at the end i'm just like what yeah. what are you doing but um you know it's yeah, always abraham abraham makes more sense to me than as a mispronunciation than abraham i would agree with that one hey i don't um, mind if you go for it i don't exactly. mind if you go for it what's the Speaking weirdest for Barcelona? for me i've got a lot of my old high school basketball coach used to call me barcelona um i get a lot of barzillies i don't Barzi- know yeah barzillies probably what i would go with i used to get Ex- ibrahimovic a lot too once, once Ibrahimovic became a big deal, my last name started to get pronounced a lot better. Uh, he was in the news yesterday. I saw that he uh, just yeah. tested positive. So I hope your yeah. family is healthy. Yeah, my, my family's healthy. We're, he, he's Ibrahimovic. We, we're not, 
that's uh that's eastern european we're more middle eastern <laughs> very distant um, relation uh, speaking yes. of names did you see the video and i'm think i'm gonna say it right i did not really catch really well how she pronounced her first name but i guess that we've all been saying dantas incorrectly and that it's Dantas. Yes. it sounds like yes i did see um so that was that was ruko right at the beginning of the podcast because a lot of people on on twitter like to uh give give the announcers um some well-earned uh uh what, what would i do criticisms about how they pronounce names um but apparently that's how how she wants her last name to be pronounced is duntus not Dantas. I tried to watch the video. How would you pronounce the first name? Um, her first name, I believe, is Demiris. That's how um, I've been saying it. But I don't. I. I didn't see. I didn't hear her first. Like they. I didn't like catch what they're saying for her first name. Mm -hmm. um, so maybe we can. Maybe I can. I, we can get into a uh, a post game with her and ask her exactly uh, how to get how to pronounce her first name because yeah, Duntas yeah. makes sense to me. Actually, I was gonna say. So she's Brazilian. So that's she's like Portuguese. Speaks Portuguese, right? Um, you speak Spanish. I'm guessing we haven't explicitly yes. talked about that. So have you been assuming it's pronounced Dantas the whole time, or like did your Spanish speaking give you an advantage with her last name or not? Uh, see, so I just I try not. I don't assume anything. So I'm like, you know, hey, whatever whatever people are saying, that's what I'm gonna go with because if I'm at least if I'm with everyone else, then then it's not like oh you're just mad at me for creating some sort of pronunciation <laughs> about your last name. Um, so I, I think that's, I just went with Dantas because that's what I heard. Um, but now I, I think Dantas makes sense um, from, because she is Brazilian. I do ha I have some um, Brazilian friends. So Dantas does make sense. I'm going to see, I'm going to look up if they have her first name. So yes, in the, um, well, in the pronunciation guide, it looks wrong. So it's Da Miris mm -hmm. is her first name. The right. last name is Dantas. Yeah, I think it's a stew do kind of situation. Yeah, so I knew a stew. So I knew I knew uh, a stew stew do um, because she she had that video last year, and I know right. she's um, she grew up or at least spent a lot of time in the Canary Islands. I was mm. like, oh, okay. So I've, I heard about her name for a while, um, but yeah, a lot of interesting names in the in the W. We have a lot. I think I, I think we just have a lot more um, international flavor in the WNBA than we do in in other sports leagues. I'm not sure. Are there more European players in the W than in the NBA on a percentage basis? You know, I have not looked that up. My inclination tells me my uh, my intuition tells me that it's probably comparable because if the WNBA is on the order of eighty percent, I thought. I, African-American, right, 80% mm -hmm. black women, then um, I thought that was roughly the percentage that the NBA is of black men. And so therefore just kind of seems like Tyler Hero aside or whatever, right? That like, yeah. um, you know, you would think the percentages would be the same, but I mean, it does seem like more, there's a ton more international flavor and we're, maybe just that it impacts the WNBA more because of the seasons. Yeah, I'm interested. I'm actually gonna look, I'm gonna look that up. Normally my note, a note for myself here. Maybe I'll yeah. get the answer for everyone. Yeah, we can have yeah have that in a later uh, uh, a later episode of something of, of your multimedia right. extravaganza. One, one of the many things I'm doing when I yeah. I just love to hear my own voice, so I will I will have that answer for you guys at some point. I will say the one you know I mean it's also even last night right was the uh, Elisa and uh, or Alyssa Thomas and uh, Alicia Clark uh, not yes. quite show for her. But uh, you know that they're the only two kind of that start ALY, I think, in the league, right? I feel like Alyssa hmm. was more common as a name uh, back in my youth. Yes, they're the only two players in the league that start with ALY. Yeah. So, um, but uh, yeah, Alyssa Th last night was amazing. Uh, it was just so incredible. Uh, both that. What was your reaction when you first heard that she was going to start playing again, or play so, yesterday? So I assumed because. Well, I didn't assume the Connecticut Sun told us that she was out the yeah. day, be like two two days ago before the game. So I thought she was not playing because I assumed, like, okay, the MRI showed something that that suggested potentially further damage to her shoulder because of her torn labrum, her healer of her torn labras. Um, <laughs> but I guess what happened was they they were planning to go on without her. Um, and they said that 
the they they went they saw the MRI and said, well, if she does it looks the MRI looks clean. It was just dislocation, and I guess she came back. But I knew as soon as as soon as I saw, I think um, it was Natalie Heverin or Alexa Alexa Philippou. I'm not sure who had it first, but one of them said it's a matter of pain management. I was like, if it's a matter of pain <laughs> management, Alyssa Thomas is going to play. She's the toughest player in the league, both in her style of play. I think of just like her attitude. I remember I talked to uh, John Paul Jones before the season started for a story about a coffee mug. And I was, I was like, you know, you know, her, her coffee mug is very happy and smiley and she's hugging the coffee mug. And I was like, Oh, if they made an Alyssa Thomas coffee mug, what would it look like? And she was like, it'd have to be called the mean mug because Alyssa always <laughs> has that. Alyssa has that look when she's playing. I was like, Hey, is Alyssa like Alyssa's really intense on the court. How is she off the court? And John Quell like took a second. She goes, yeah, she's pretty intense off the court too. <laughs> so I was oh, like, okay. Really? I was like, you know, this this is a person who is um, consistent in in who she is. And I think as soon as I saw that, it was pain management. I was like, okay, she's playing. And I didn't. I thought it, she might be a little bit limited, or I, I knew she wouldn't be tentative, right? But I thought maybe the coaching staff would say like, hey, hold back a little bit. Hey, don't play all these minutes. Hey, maybe maybe relax because we need you for the rest of the series. They, they didn't do any of that. She went off 23 points, 12 rebounds, four assists, 38 minutes. Incredible. Merely Incredible a flesh wound, right? So it's unbelievable that she could do that. And uh, yeah, no, I was uh, pretty, yeah, I saw the injury report uh, that she was out. So then when they said that she was upgraded to questionable, um, it was just like, what's going on? It looked like so mm-hmm. much pain. And then like, I didn't feel like we saw her really wincing or, or anything even, right? Like, did you think she really looked affected by it at all? Like, I didn't see her hanging her arm or whatever. I didn't think too much. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think she has, um, as tough and rugged as she is, she does, like, accentuate contact is what I like to call it. I don't like to call it flopping because... Oh, I'm talking about, like, running when she's, like, you know, like, with her arm hanging down at a weird angle. Like, she just, you know, no, ginger no, that, on it. None of that was there. I think when she got... When she hit people, because that's what she does. I mean, that right? That's mm-hmm. what Alyssa Tom, one of Alyssa Thomas's best skill is, is she'll just launch herself into someone with her shoulder and then get a shot up. Um, and it should be noted that this is also her shooting arm. Not that she's a, she doesn't shoot because she does have two toward labor in her shoulders, mm-hmm. but this is where she gets her shots up from. Um, so I thought on some plays where she kind of, you know, ran into people. It, it was a little bit more wincing than usual. It seemed a, just a slightly more painful. And mm. she was, she was kind of conscious about the tape there, but yeah, not, not a ton of, of um, visible pain. I remember, I think in the first minute of the game, she ran headlong into um, Angel McCautry, just, right. just nailed her. And it was a huge collision. And first person back up off the ground was Alyssa Thomas. No help. Didn't wait for a teammate to come popped right back up. I was like, yeah, yeah, she's going to be okay. And she hit a floor at her own way back. Um, If she is in pain, I don't think we're going to be able to see it. That seems to be her MO. Um, But yeah, I mean, the Sun team, they're within a game of the finals. I I think this is pretty – I mean, I'm shocked. Obviously, we're a little surprised about what Alyssa did. But how how surprised are you that they're here? Because I'm – I did not pick them to get here. I thought they would lose the Sparks, but – I'm pretty surprised that they're 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 now on the verge of making their second tree finals. Yeah, I'm incredibly surprised. And think about uh, you know Washington; it was their second straight finals last year. So what does that mean if uh, Connecticut makes it? Ah, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, I was very surprised. I thought that um, you know, just like how did they go zero and five right to open the season, and mm-hmm. then you know they've just been on this uh, run ever since. I mean, maybe. You know, they're gelling a little more. Um, you know, Thomas is just, I think, incredible in the playoffs. I didn't really realize how good it was until she's been, until I dug into the numbers yesterday. I don't know if mm-hmm. you saw that uh, thread, that playoff appreciation thread. Um, but just remarkable, right? Her, like, free throw percentage is up, I think, by 19% in the playoffs and, uh, in, the, in her career. And, you know, she ranks incredibly high in all kinds of per-game stats. And so, you know, and these kind of one, I mean, the Sparks, right? It's like a one game scenario, no big deal. But um, yeah, I just didn't think, I mean, I thought that Thomas, right? Looked like the best player on the floor last night, right? And oh, yeah. um, I thought, right? And like the Aces need Wilson to be uh, the MVP, I think, if they're going to make it. So, um, you know, if they can keep getting 
efforts like this, you know, especially because Bonner hasn't been playing particularly well in the series, right? So mm -hmm. she took a ton of shots two games ago. She had, uh, how many points did she have last night? Um, she had 15. Oh, no, no, excuse me. She had 12. 12, points, 12. Yeah, I only shot like four of 11. So she's definitely not been uh, the most efficient, although she did have a double-double with the 10 rebounds as well. So, um, but, you know, they're getting contributions, right? Jones played well for them last night. Mm -hmm. uh, January did well, too, and Thomas. And so maybe they're just peaking at the right time. So I guess my question for you is, I thought what the quote of the playoffs was Bill Lambeer saying it's a 200-minute series. And so do you think it's going to be a 200-minute series or, you know, maybe 205 or 210 if we're lucky? Um, I think so. I mean, so I, I, I think what, what's happening is Connecticut's defense is just too good. Um, you're going to have to come up with something more creative than what the Aces have done all season to beat them. You're not just going to be able to post up Asia Wilson, especially when Alyssa Thomas is playing the way she is. Um, but I also think that there was a lot of wasted possessions for Las Vegas in a way that I don't – I don't think it's – it's. I think in the game that they need to win next game, which is on Sunday, uh, they're not going to have 15 turnovers to Connecticut having only four, right? That's flipped on its head from what we expected in the regular season, I think. I think Vegas is going to be much more careful with the ball. They were throwing these, like, really looping – cross-court passes against one of the best defenses in the league at, at shooting gaps and getting those exact type of steals. Um, I think that Vegas needs to come back. They have two days off, right? They have today and tomorrow. Mm -hmm. uh, so they're going to they're gonna have to hit the film and figure out a way to, to score that's not just putting Asia Wilson in the post because, you know, Connecticut is, not, is doubling her extremely hard and Asia's – all season long, my only complaint about Asia Wilson's game is that she's not, um, she's not getting out of those doubles when they come quickly. So those doubles are coming very quickly with this Connecticut Sun team. And because of the lack of shooting around uh, Asia, it's much easier to dig down. If, if Daniel Robinson's throwing that pass, it's much easier to dig down on that. So mm -hmm. I think they're going to have to come up with a different plan. I think Lindsay Allen, she, I mean, she didn't do well in game one, but I think you have to kind of, run with her and tell her to shoot a little bit more because they just need they need some more spacing and I'm really they really 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 need Kayla McBride to do more than one of seven from the field for four points right um yeah so I, it's been a tough season for her I think right I mean she sort of yeah. picked up a little bit late but definitely not what I was expecting for her I'm a big fan of her game and uh, they need her to be kind of in tip-top shape I think if they're gonna advance what do you think of uh, Angel's game? I mean, she had 14 points, 6 of 17 from the field, though. So, I mean, what what do you think of, of her performance? Um, because I think she's kind of also been um, just struggling, struggling against this Connecticut team, which is understandable. Yeah, I think that she uh, – I mean, I really enjoy watching her play. She always feels so, like, slow. She's playing at, like, a slow, under-controlled pace, even though she's so – impressive and then that's what lets her be efficient i think she was like third or fourth in uh per and wind chairs mm -hmm. on our on our site uh this year in her very limited minutes and i thought also think it's interesting that she still only played like 21 minutes last night i was sort of been expecting lambeer to play her a little bit more mm -hmm. um to ramp her up now that we've made it you know like sort of load manager all season to get to the playoffs but it doesn't really seem like that's been the case and so if she's not going to be as efficient as uh usual then um you know that's really tough uh you know i guess hamby played really well re relatively well at least she hit four for five um although it was you know it seemed like pretty quiet in, in a lot of ways and you know you were talking about she Wilson, did get right? hurt yeah, yeah, yeah. Ham hamby had that quad issue in the second and third quarter it seems like she got better at the end but she didn't she did she was uh hampered in that in that time yeah, that's true. I forgot that. And, um, you know, for me, you were talking about Wilson, like you talk about her in the post, but I feel like she's in the high post so much. Mm -hmm. Like that's, I think my one complaint for her, like the um, sort of player analogy I think of uh, on the men's side for her is like Carmelo Anthony, right? She's all about mm -hmm. that elbow jumper and whatnot. And you know, she's great at it um, as a skill, but like, I'd like to see her really get, I mean, get into the paint more uh, in that way. And, you know, more, of the moves like that amazing um, Alyssa Thomas spin move and banker yeah. from the post that, that happened late in the game and that final run um, where she was dominating. And so, you know, that's kind of really my concern over, I guess I'm all over the place with your original question, but <laughs> that's kind of my concern about the aces, right? Is just sort of how they're going to 
um, you know, manufacture that offense against Connecticut. They've been struggling. Um, and, um, you know, it's just really, it, it's really surprising to me to see the team, the number one team in the playoffs kind of with that challenge. I, I think what's happening though is, you know, Asia's just in a land war with Alyssa Thomas in the post. And as we said before, right, like this is the toughest player in the league, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. You can't just do a static post-up against Alyssa Thomas because she's going to maul you. Like, yeah, hey, you may get position, maybe. You may even get a bucket. That's not going to be fun for the rest of the game. You're going to be bruised up for the next few days. And I think that's kind of – she wore down Asia in game one, and she wore down Asia in game three. And I think you just have to do some more – you know, screening before Asia gets into the post. What was happening was the aces would come down, their transition opportunities would get stopped because Connecticut's getting back so so much faster than them. That's been a huge part of the series. They're beating they're beating um, Vegas down the floor, so there's no transition opportunities. And then there's no movement to get Asia into the post on someone else than Alyssa Thomas or even get her just just a little space to get down into the post. Because Alyssa's not letting her get down there. So to me, I'd love to see um, some screening action before the post-up for Asia. Uh, just, just like I said, more creativity to get the ball to your best player or to get your other players involved. So I, I think there just needs to be a little bit more of that in the offense because you're, you're killing Asia. You're, you're killing Asia by forcing her to play um, one-on-one against Alyssa Thomas straight up. And, you know, Brianna... Bree Jones is a, is a really good post defender. She's been, she was really, really good last night. But I'd rather have that matchup than have Alyssa Thomas uh, on, on Asia Wilson, especially in that first half, just so she's not wearing her down. Yeah, but it's, it's just interesting, right? I think we need to be careful not to overreact to such a small sample. Right. Um, you know, they, they played twice uh, in the regular season, and it was relatively late, August uh, 20th, although I guess that's a little more than a month ago, and uh, September 3rd, and they won by 21 and 15, uh, Vegas did. So, and they scored 99 and 93 points. So, you know, there's definitely something different happening. The, the two games that they've lost, they scored uh, 68 last night and 62 in that opening game. And that's fewer points than they scored in any game. Those are the two fewest points they've scored in the level. So it's just kind of, there's also some element of it just hasn't been happening at the right time uh, for them, Uh, you know, sort of peaking at the right time or um, I guess, I don't know what the opposite of peaking is valleying at the the wrong time. uh, Cratering. Cratering. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, you know, Vegas is, uh, you know, they were number one in the league in both points per game at 88.7 in the regular season and uh, offensive rating points per 100 possessions at 106.4. And, uh, you know, in these three games against uh, Connecticut, they're down to 71 points per game, which is second worst uh, of uh, the playoffs for the eight playoff teams. And same for their uh, offensive efficiency, it's down to 85.9. So, you know, that's really kind of the struggle. And it'll be interesting to see what kind of tactics Lambeer can uh, take to what kind of adjustments he's going to make here for game four. It certainly helped that they actually hit a few threes um, last night, but, but obviously it wasn't enough. They shot better. They shot better than Connecticut did on three. They were five, like, Vegas was five of 14, and Connecticut was one of 11 from yeah. three. I, that, this, that's a tough game. I mean, from the stat, from the stats, um, here, it seems like a much tougher game than I think when I was watching, I realized for the aces to lose because I mean, Connecticut just went on 24 to run 24 run at the end of the game. And that's what won them the game. Um, and, you know, I, lo- I know we love stats. We love the X's nose, but it's just like this Connecticut team is so gritty, you know, like they, you sometimes you just grit out of win in the playoffs, right? Like, yeah, like we expect some regression to the mean from, from a lot of these things, but sometimes it's just about, Hey, we're 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 hauling we're hauling to get back on transition so you're not going to get that hey we're we're shut we're gonna pound you in the post like hey you may score but we're gonna we're gonna beat you up so i think you know just the grittiness and, and the toughness and the we've been here before mentality of connecticut is really helpful and i'm i really really want to see um las vegas bring that because last year in in game four against the mystics i think um las vegas definitely brought a lot of um a lot of fight, but they still lost, right? And I think they're going to be in a similar situation here. Do you think – here's a question. Do, do you think um, Connecticut 
is the better team at this point? Hmm. You know, I tend to, as we've talked about on our Slack, I walked into the series thinking the Aces were the better team. And I tend to not move my opinion that much each game. But, you know, it's kind of hard to resist that when they're up to one and the way that they've, uh, you know, outplayed them throughout this series. But I still, you know, I guess it depends what they're going to be able to get from Hamby, um, uh, you know, as well as McBride. I still, well, I'm torn. I'm, uh, this is bad uh, radio, but I, <laughs> I guess I'm going to give in, right? If, if Alyssa Thomas is going to play like this, then I think that uh, Connecticut's going to be better. You know, if, if Connecticut really has the best player on the floor, in either of these next two games, they're going to win the, uh, it just seems like they're going to have to win the series. Um, at the same time, like I really want to see a, a Asia advance and match up either with Stewie, uh, a matchup against, right. Either Stewie or Nubisa Collier. So I'll, well, not much Collier cover, but we'll see what happens there. So I think I can go either way, but yeah, no, I mean, I've been very impressed with what, uh, Connecticut Sun, uh, the Flight and Kurt Millers uh, have been able to do in this uh, <laughs> playoff series. And uh, I'm really looking forward to see how Vegas answers in Sunday's game. So wishy-washy answer there. Well, how about you? I, I, th- I think they are. I think they are the, the better team right now. Just because I think I underestimate how much talent this team has um, coming into the playoffs because of what their struggles early on in the season. Yeah. And I don't think throughout the season they never looked this good. Um, but it does make sense they've gotten, you know, they've gotten to this point in the playoffs because you got Alyssa Thomas, person who's been there, done that, who loves raising her game and who loves playing 38 minutes in the game, right? Like she can go as hard as she wants because there ain't that much season left. Dewana Bonner, another player who's been there, done that um, and, and understands the moment. Jasmine Thomas and Brianne January. I mean, you talk about Brianne January, we always forget about her, what she's done in her career in the WNBA. She's been a part of some amazing teams who have made similar runs like this so they just have to me the bet the top four defenders um I mean it it, like a four a four-team defense I think they probably have the best in the league with January Thomas Bonner and Alyssa Thomas um because it's just so I don't know where you can't really attack anywhere they're gonna they're gonna gun the passing lanes they're gonna get steals so to me, I think they're the better team right now, and I'd be pre- I'd be surprised if um, Vegas won this series. But like I mentioned, I think they're going to get to a game five, um, and then we'll see what happens. If you were, I know I know we we should probably move over to this. Before we do that, you know what? I'm going to take back my answer just to disagree with oh, okay. you. I think I'm going to still say the Aces. I think that okay. um, I do believe in them. I'm not going to get too. It's concerning what I've seen in these two losses that they've had, but. Uh, I still value the sustained uh, record over the course of the season. And, um, you know, I was just looking back at their record uh, there and Connecticut, you know, they've been good, but it's not like they're on a, you know, 15 game win streak after losing the first five games of the season or anything. So I think there's an element of Connecticut peaking at the right time. And, you know, it's still, you know, it's not a one game series here. Right. But uh, it's still a short series. So I think Connecticut definitely win and I've been very impressed with them, but I, I still think if they were to play like, you know, 10, or, you know, 11, 21 mm-hmm. games, I would still bet on the Aces. So, but maybe not. Uh, I would don't know that I would bet on Connecticut. I mean, on the you're, Aces you're, today for this one. You're verging on becoming part of the disrespect montage that's surely coming before we get to, before we get to game four. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Connecticut well, on Twitter. I respect them both, right? It's definitely a, <laughs> uh, it's a, it's a coin flip. And I think actually, you know, obviously up to one Connecticut's in the driver's seats. Um, so I think that, you know, they got to be favored for the series. But, um, you know, I think they've, you know, they've only played, they've only won two games, right? So uh, it's, it's not that much of a repeatable phenomenon. If I'm going to be in the disrespect, are you going to, do you want to say something else? Uh, I think I've said some things about respecting Connecticut, but how about you? Uh, I, I really respect them. I have no interest in being part of the disrespect montage, although they'll say we said it anyways, it doesn't matter. Um, no, I, I, I think, you know, they're, Smart, you, you know, you you and a bunch of other um, really smart people who understand, like, you know, you got, I think, I think um, the people who are like really understand the data and, and really like, you know, you guys are less likely to change course, whereas I'm like, I'm always changing course, which is not good. I think either way can lead to bad results. No, it's right? not. But I, cha- I changed course in the playoffs because to me, it's like, you know, 
here we go. First Miami Heat mention. You look at the Miami Heat, right? Like there, it makes no sense that this team is in the in the conference finals. I think if you similarly look at Connecticut Sun, if if you take all their their season stats and, and you put it all together, it doesn't make a ton of sense that they're in this position to make the finals. But the playoffs are different. The playoffs are a different beast to me. And I'm not sure, especially in the 22 game regular season, I'm not sure how much I want to take that data and say, you know, this is what's going to matter most to me rather than the games that we've been, we've been watching. Um, but, you know, yeah, I, I, it, Hey, if I'm wrong, I'd love to get a five game series. Hopefully a game five yeah. goes into triple overtime. I mean, for the five games they played the wobble, um, you know, Vegas has won three and Connecticut's won two. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, if you're not the last five games. Those are the most important though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Before we get into that, I, you brought up Miami. I did want to, uh, I was going to tee you up on that. How happy are you that this week, the schedule has been uh, that your beloved Miami heat have not been playing against the WNBA. It's been fantastic. Although I think we're syncing up again. Well, it doesn't matter. Cause, well, I don't want to actually, you know what? I'm going to say it. We're winning in five. We're winning tomorrow. <laughs> we're winning tonight, Friday night. Um, Sunday and doesn't and then, matter, yeah. Yeah, so, so we're not going to have a game on Sunday, and then hopefully the finals don't sync up. Although it might, but that doesn't matter because it's just one game, and they can. I think ESPN has both, so they may want to stagger it. I'm not sure. But regardless, I've been stoked that we don't have the WNBA on the, on the same day as the Heat games because I can ignore that Lakers series to a certain extent, um, and then I can rewatch it whenever. Uh, but I need to watch the WNBA live because I, obviously this is the – this is the league I cover and this is the league I love. It just happens to be running into one of the most improbable playoff runs in NBA history, featuring my favorite team. And the reason I love basketball uh, is the Miami heat. I was watching live. Sorry. I was watching it live last night. And then I tried to rewatch a little this morning. Um, And I think it was the first game, the first WNBA game. It comes up on ESPN Watch as a, like a football game that they must have been airing on ESPN or something. (laughs) I was like, what's going on? Unfortunately, I got it on my DVR. But go ahead. I interrupted you there. Yeah, no, I, I just think it's uh it's been it's been lucky. I I, I really uh, appreciate the WNBA. I don't know if any WNBA schedulers are listening, but it's been uh there's been like multiple times this season where they've scheduled like just right against the Heat because the Heat were playing. If you recall early in the bubble, they were playing like in the afternoon, and oh. I was like, oh yes, this is this is perfect. Uh, and then there was that time in like the first round where I had to watch two games at once, but That's it tough. all works out. Tyler yes. Hero is a is a is a godsend. Back to the WNBA, though, but talking about scheduling, what do you have an opinion on this kind of double header for the WNBA versus uh, kind of going one game a night, which is more of the NBA's model, actually, for the conference finals? Um, I think it's – I don't know. I, I, I have I – I've have, I have thought about this, but I just – I think it does work out, right, because these games are a little bit shorter. And I think if you're going to – if you're not going to do like a post game show or something, then this does make a certain sense. And then you also don't have to, you'll have to like have, you know, if you're only having one announced team, which the WNBA is currently mm-hmm. doing, then it makes a lot more sense to have it all in one night. Um, but yeah, for me, I'd love to see it on, on separate nights. And I think we'll, we'll get to that. And I think maybe if we were in the bubble, I forget how they did it last year. I don't think, do we have those oh, it's the same. Yeah, this it's is the a same. typical schedule. Yeah, I definitely would prefer to see one game a night. Um, you know, you and I both enjoy the NBA too. So, and this is an exceptionally weird season. Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny. There's all the different sort of segments of basketball fans that are out there, right? Some people don't watch the NBA. You know, there's you know mm-hmm. questions about you know should you run it up against football on Sundays or not? But again, there's unclear what the crossover of the fan base is. But I just think that. You know, there is obviously enough data for the NBA to think that they're better off running, um, you know, one game a night. And I guess it's a little longer, but I, I, they could still run their doubleheaders like they used to. And um, I just think it'd be better to have something on the court happening in the WNBA every night. I agree. Um, I agree. I'm kind of sure how- I mean, would you have them schedule it? So one thing I think we talked about last week, you know, given this exceptional year, would you one thing I contemplated i'm i think i think it would be a good idea although not ideal would be if they started all the nba playoff games at nine in these conference finals and then the WNBA could run seven and nine by itself as opposed to uh, having a conflict like they did last night so that you could at least pick up some of the nba fans that could go adjacent and, and move to the WNBA. i think the assumption is that um 
there isn't a lot of NBA fans who are going to tune into the WNBA. Mm -hmm. I like, they're, they're obviously like us, right? Like, I think there are a lot, I think a lot of WNBA fans watch both because I think you're just a basketball fan. Right? Yeah, it's one of many pathways is people right. going from the NBA to the WNBA. Absolutely. So I think, I think a lot of, uh, I'm guessing a higher percentage of WNBA fans also watch the NBA than NBA fans watch the WNBA. I mm. think their assumption is that that won't cross over. Um, if you put, you know, if you, if you're, if your plan is to get the NBA fans to watch WNBA, they're, they're planning on that not working. Um, right. But I'd love to see them try it. You know, I think, I think we, and in, in women's, in women's sports generally, there's just a lack of gumption or maybe creativity in saying, hey, we're going to put this on. We're going to tell NBA fans, you should watch this because this is tremendous basketball and then see what happens. You don't, you don't yeah. know how much, how much people are going to tune in or not tune in, and especially right now where the league is at such a high level of play. Um, even with the injuries this year, I think the, the level of play has been outstanding in the WNBA. I think they, they should try it. I understand the thinking. I just think it's, it's flawed in saying like, well, we don't think we're going to get a, an enough portion of the NBA fans to make this worth it for us. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely very colleges do it with center, you know, having the mm -hmm. synergy of kind of a doubleheader as well. So um, I think it could work or at least experiment a little more. Um, do you think though that they should intentionally because they, I don't think either. I haven't seen an announcement about the finals yet for the NBA, um, and I'm very certain we haven't seen an announcement about the schedule of the finals for the WNBA. Do you think the WNBA should intentionally schedule it to be on off nights uh, if they can, so that you know you either there's a WNBA or an NBA finals game? Yeah, I think that I think that'd be uh, that probably work out best, right? I do think I like the idea of having the weekend. I think that's what they're planning, right? Next Saturday or something. Um, maybe it's not next Saturday. Maybe it's a Saturday after. No, no, it is next Saturday. Next Saturday, they're planning to have a doubleheader with the NBA Finals and WNBA Finals. That's a good idea. Especially, mm, I seen that. Yeah, I saw that. And I, I'm, obviously, I think the schedules could change depending on how long each of these series goes and what happens. Um, especially if we have something like what happened in um, the first game of the Seattle-Minnesota series, which cross your fingers that doesn't happen again. Um, but I think that's, that's a good idea. On the weekend, not going up against the NFL, going up against college football, which I think is, is struggling a little bit this year because the environment's very different. Um, you, go, you go and you have a doubleheader and you say, hey, look, we're going to have the same pregame, postgame show for each of these things. We're going to lead into both, and we're going to ask all of the fans to stay here right. on, this first, on the first game or the second game. And then you say, okay, you're, you're going to get hooked, and then you go – each night so there's basketball every single night um that's what i'd like to see i'm not entirely sure what the plan is and obviously it's 2020 plans are going to go out the window <laughs> exactly yeah i don't think i'd set the scene that set in stone um i must have missed that if i got a communication from the league office but i'll look up that up after we're done podcasting yeah i i I'm, i would be interested though i hope i hope they do give um the WNBA its night um, I mean, I'm interested to see how it goes though. I mean, I definitely going up against each other. I mean, I, this doesn't happen in a normal season. Yeah, but going yeah. up against each other is kind of cannibalizing basketball viewers generally. Yeah. Um, but I think there's a way to, to make it, to, to synergize it. Um, I just wish we had, I, like, I, I, no, I mean, I wish we had like uh, just more announced crews too for ESPN. Um, like I'd love to see, I would love to see like Ryan Rucco and Rebecca Lobo do an NBA game. And oh. have Doris, Doris Burke and Mark Jones do a WNBA game. But obviously, yeah. like, this year, great. can't happen. But maybe, I, you know, one thing that's really amusing to me about the doubleheader format in contrast to the NBA is because it's the same crew on both games, I think yeah. the problem, and they're on different courts, right? So I think the primary reason that they're doing it is really to give Rebecca, you know, whoever's calling the games, like a 10 minute break there between games to, uh, so that they're not sort of stuck in their seat for four hours at a time. No, I, I think that's – it's tough. Call, I mean, I think we, uh, Ryan Rucco and Rebecca Lobo have been on um, the podcast with John Little, right? Yeah, yeah. I think – yeah, they both talked about – I mean, it's – I've called games before, and I haven't called these intense games where you're on national TV with all these expectations. Like, that's a lot of minutes. That's a lot of minutes to, to put up as an announcer. So I'm glad they're getting a little bit of a break. But, man, I'm, I'm impressed with their uh, stamina. I do wonder how hard it would be to go – 
every single night. And then it's kind of, you know, I'd rather have, I'd rather, my, I'd rather have no shade to Pam Ward or Latrona Robinson. They do a great job, but I'd rather have Ryan and Rebecca do all the playoff games because I think they're the best. They're, to me, they're the best crew in basketball. So I want them on every single game. Yeah, I enjoy I enjoy them all. So I'm not gonna <laughs> not gonna pick a favorite. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, we're big fans of all of them. I I like yeah. when Pam and LaChina and their and their witty banter. They're fantastic. Well. They're fantastic. I don't know if they're gonna, you know they called the game Tuesday. I don't know if they're gonna call any others uh, the rest of the playoffs. I mean, I love LaChina on when we get when we get her her time, especially when they have they've been bringing in the former player. I mean, the current players. That's awesome. That's really yeah, I was gonna, awesome. That was a question I meant to ask you that uh, I forgot to tell you I was going to ask you. Is, do you have a favorite yet of the uh, players that we've seen so far kind of coming in for the guest uh, appearances? Sue Bird, you know, uh, does so much during college, right? But she's playing, so we haven't seen her. So it's good to see some new faces. What, do you have a favorite? Uh, I think, well, my favorite is Christy Tolliver because Christy Tolliver is my favorite player. So <laughs> I, lo- I love seeing Christy Tolliver. Uh, I think she she has a lot of opinions too. Like, And, and she's yeah. played in the league so long that she does not – she doesn't care who's going to get mad at her because who cares? Like I'm Christy Tolliver. What are you going to say to me? Um, right. I think she's been great. Um, but I, I've been really impressed with Lacey Clarendon. I don't watch a lot of Pac-12 basketball. I know she does. Uh, mm-hmm. She does. She's an analyst over there. Um, but I think she's great. I think she does it. She does a really good job breaking down the games and she like keeps it. She keeps it light, but while also giving you some, some more heavy right. analysis. But you know, I think, I mean, Natasha Cloud is obviously someone I've uh, come to. Say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Natasha is someone that I got to cover last year, and she's she just brings so much energy. And I, I we have in this league, and in the NBA, but I think in the WNBA, there's so many good future broadcasters here. Mm-hmm. I think I think they're gonna I think they're gonna be all over the place um, when their playing careers are done. And we see it. We already see it because they're they can do multiple jobs in the season. Um, but I think they they all do a really good job, especially with China. There, China's an awesome host, as we as we know. Yes, 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 yes. So, um, yes, we should probably briefly talk about the um, Storm Lynx game too, right before we call it a podcast. Yeah, tough. It was a tough one for the Lynx. So they lose. They lose. Uh, eighty nine, seventy nine. Um, I think to me the crucial stretch in this game was right before halftime. There's two. There's a crucial stretch right before halftime where Seattle goes on a fourteen to zero run to end the half. It was like a five-minute um, run too. They didn't score like five minutes. I rewatched and, that this morning. I was like, "Whoa!" It was, and so Nafisa Collier gets her third foul. Uh, I I don't remember exactly when, but it was sometime right after. Um, yeah, right at the beginning of the second quarter, she had gotten two early ones that were bad, and she was being a little reckless. And then her third one was just being in a bad spot. I think that was the right call. Do you think that was because I I you know she wasn't vertical. Her hands were down. It's a weak call, but I, I don't know how you don't make that call when she makes contact yeah. and her arms aren't vertical. Yeah, I think I agree with you, but it's tough. She's the only player that was not negative from a plus-minus perspective uh, last night. No, oh, yeah, she didn't uh, play in that. Links. Well, the, she didn't play in that fourteen-zero run because <laughs> Cheryl yeah. kept her out. But she still did play twenty, you know, twenty-eight, almost twenty-nine minutes, so not that far off. Well, and I think that that kind of is is more it indicates more that this is, that that fourteen run really kind of decided the game. Um, what do you think yeah. of of Reeve keeping her out? Because I've always been a proponent of, you know, she has three fouls and you got to take her out for some of the second quarter. But once it starts going south, you know, and you're getting down to to this good of a team, you can't keep her out. You know, it, it, all right, hey, maybe she gets her fourth foul and the game's over, but she doesn't play. And the game's over because your team needs her, especially without Sylvia Fowles playing. I I thought that was a um, a mistake there by by um, Cheryl Reeve to not put Nafisa Collier back into the game, and then she only finishes the game with four fouls. Yeah, she got I was going to really say. Late. So it's like I think you got you kind of got to trust your player there, especially when it starts going south. Because to me, that's more important. The last two minutes of the game, like I need her right there because that's the game. Um, did what you well, do? Well, they did. I mean, they did cut it to what at the end of the yeah. third. It was getting close again, which I guess is probably your other yeah. uh, second most important moment. So yeah, I have less of a strong opinion on that. There are definitely some people uh, in the analytics community yes. uh, that do. I mean, I do tend to defer to Cheryl Reeves so for <laughs> having the feel of the game there. Um, yes, but you know, yeah, she only picked up one more foul in uh, her remaining time. 
And, um, you know, so I think you go either way. I don't think that one's as 100% clear cut. There definitely, like I said, there's definitely some people that rant about it. Um, you know, if she didn't get another foul the whole game, mm-hmm. then you'd be like, come on, what's going on? But I, I mean, I do think there's value in the same way that, um, you know, I think it's, it's late, leverage late. So if they get it relatively close for the end of the third, then like it's good that she's, you know, sort of saved one more foul there. So, you know, on the theory that, you know, it's showing trust in her team at some level, they can hang in there. But yeah, no, it definitely was ugly. And it continued even to start the third too. Yeah. No, definitely. I, I and I'm not trying to slam Cheryl Reeve. Obviously she knows more, but she's forgotten more about basketball than I'll ever know. Um, but I just think she's, she's a bit too conservative in, in that regard for me. I, I would be a little bit more aggressive because I don't know, like, like, you know, like we were talking about earlier is like, I, I'm, I'm very in the playoffs. I change courts much faster. <laughs> You know, I, I change course much faster than than I think um, a lot of other people do. So to me, I was like, you know, you got to put her back in and you got to trust her. Um, I don't think I don't, I'm not saying like Cheryl recost in the game, right? Because if he can come in yeah. and still they go on a 14 to two run and the game's the game's still the same thing. Um, but yeah, I just you know I thought that was that was a a misstep, especially with how much that team. Um, struggles without her but really who killed him was jewel lloyd right like jewel lloyd killed him yeah that run i mean that run was it was interesting right the jewel lloyd was great in that stewie had a nice um shot in the paint as well mm-hmm. and uh, you know you look up i mean part of it right they didn't score for like five minutes right and mm-hmm. if you know it was like a 14 to 8 run it would be a very different situation yeah uh, and then they, but they do get back in it. I mean, I think uh, another Miami Heat mentioned this team has a lot of Miami Heat energy. They're not, they're not ever going to quit. Doesn't matter what the score is. Um, so they come back, and they get it. They get it within five, right towards the end of the third quarter, and they yeah. miss three free throws. Uh, two of them by Nafisa Collier, and man, <laughs> that's just. I know it didn't. I'm not sure how much of a difference that made, but they go into the third quarter down five instead of down two and you know that just seems like a momentum killer right I, I actually do you believe in momentum uh i definitely do you can definitely caught up in it i think it's less about i i, I believe less in the hot hand and yeah. more in momentum right i think it's just people can kind of get to you know, head down and kind of and then the, the positive vibes as well can kind of just unlock mm-hmm. more. But yeah, they just couldn't get over the hump, right? It was like, it seemed like, hey, we're going to have another close game. You know, that really impressive run, as you said, kind of late in the third. And then they just never quite got it back to uh, even. It just took a little too much energy to get uh, all the way back. And, you know, I think it's a tribute to the Storm, right? I think that they, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I... Do you feel like the Storm have been playing well these past two games? Or I guess I feel like, like I said, I think at the beginning of the podcast, right? It's, it felt like pretty high-level basketball. I thought the Storm were playing well, and then Minnesota answered, which was, like, really impressive. Yeah, I thought I think uh, Seattle was playing well, but not to their capabilities. I think they were, like, probably, like, what, like 80% of what they could be hitting hitting their potential. I mean, Stewie was not yeah. – Stewie had 17 points and eight rebounds and seven assists. Jesus. Um <laughs> 17 points, eight rebounds, seven assists, three, three steals, and two blocks. So, yeah, she had a great game. But she was only 4 of 13 from the field. Um, I don't think they've been playing, like, outstanding dominant basketball. But they just – they dice you up. You can't make a mistake against this team. If you're out of position for a second, they're going to find that spot, and they're surgical about it. And if you make enough of those mistakes, you're going to lose. Um, so I don't think they've been playing great. But I think they've been playing really, really well, certainly. And then I think they have those moments, right, where they are mm-hmm. playing great is what I would say. But it's just not sustained greatness uh, for the whole game, which, mm-hmm. you know, maybe you don't need that, you know, although you might in the finals. But, um, you know, they definitely had the moments where they just kind of, um, you know, look like the favorites. Yeah. And now the series is, I mean, no shade to miss it. I'm sure they're going to play really hard, but this series is over. No team in WNBA history has ever come back from an 0-2 lead in best of five series. Um, I'd be pretty surprised if this is the one because of how yeah. good Seattle is. Well, um, would you take Seattle over Vegas or Connecticut, assuming Seattle does advance? Yeah. No, I'd take them. I'd pick them. Um, 
I think the more interesting thing is if you're Seattle, who do you want to play? Well, I think if you're ESPN, you want Seattle to play Vegas. <laughs> yes, yes. It's the, I mean, it's the, Bo- the Boston LA thing, right? Um, but I don't know. I mean, I think I would rather, if I'm Seattle right now, I kind of want to play Vegas. I don't want to play, I don't want to play Connecticut. I don't. They've been playing too well. They're too hot. They got Alyssa Thomas, and even if – I think they're just going to beat you up. And I don't want to do that. I'd I'd rather not. I'd prefer not to to play them. I think, you know, it kind of – man, that'd be a – I think Connecticut could turn that into a rock fight. Um, Not that Vegas can't if they're playing really well. I think Connecticut can turn it into a rock fight a little bit more. Um, If you had to to pick, who would you rather play if you're Seattle? I'd rather uh, I'd rather play Connecticut. I think I just have uh, too much respect for um, Las Vegas, and uh, you know, again, right? I think that if Las Vegas can be clicking, they'll just be that much harder. And you know, Asia Wilson, you know, earned the MVP this season. I thought certainly um, by uh, by a whisker. I don't think it was tremendously different, but she did play a couple more games than Stewie, and so. Uh, you know, I just, I have too much respect for her. Um, I have respect for Connecticut. Let's be clear. But, yeah. uh, and I, more importantly though, like people love to, I actually don't love to talk about that question as much as uh, oh, okay. a lot of people do. Right. Cause I think it's just, you know, you don't really have any control, you know, you know that if Seattle clinches then, um, and you know, there's one, I guess one more game for the, uh, Ace of Sun series that's, you know, they're scouting both. They're not, you know, they might kind of have idle chit chat about who they'd prefer to play, but you know, they're going to just take whatever the, the road to the championship is for them. Yeah. I think, I think they're going to, I'd pick them either way. I, 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 like I said, I'd pick them either way, but it'll certainly be interesting. Yeah. Especially, I, I mean, to, I had, sorry, I had Seattle. We did our last power rankings. Yeah. I had, you know, even though they were the second seed, I had Seattle as number one in my uh, vote for her hoop stats power rankings. Uh, at the end of the season before the playoffs started. Yeah. And I think Natasha Howard getting going has been huge. I mean, mm. she has, she's not score. I think people, I saw someone on Twitter and no shade to this person because it was a really funny joke, but someone said like, oh, Natasha Howard's been out for a long lunch this year. I'm like, what are you talking about? She's been amazing defensively. She leads yeah. the league in defensive PIPM. She's been the, I, I don't know if she's the linchpin or whatever, but she really enables a lot of what they do defensively. I think she's, um, She's playing well enough offensively now that yeah. she's, she's totally helping this team in a major way. Um, I think Sue Bird is also, you know, I think Sue Bird has more to do offensively, um, especially, I, I don't know how healthy she is. That's, that's the only problem, but um, I'd like to see her do a little bit more offensively. Two of eight from the field, one of six from three. If she gets going, then I don't see how anyone beats the Seattle team. Yeah, it's really interesting to think about how you rank order the starters, right? If Stewie's mm-hmm. the best starter, you know, where Superd falls in that? Uh, uh, right now? Right now, she, <laughs> right now she's definitely the fifth starter um, yeah. with Jewel Lloyd playing like this. Uh, right. And I, you know, I may, I mean, Jordan Candace also hasn't done a ton. She only played 15 minutes last night, but I might, maybe not in this matchup um, because I don't think, Minnesota has the guard talent to necessarily beat you, um, especially on the defensive end. But maybe in the next matchup, Jordan Canada would be huge against either um, Connecticut or Las Vegas when she needs to either match up with one of Connecticut's guards or dig down on Asia Wilson. So maybe she does a little bit more in that next series. Maybe. I mean, Superd's presence, though, is just so valuable. She's got oh, yeah. uh, what she got? It's uh... Oh, I lost it here. Um, yeah, six and a half assists uh, per game for these yeah, past yeah. couple of games. So 13 assists in the playoffs. And uh, even just so valuable. But, and that's and really that's why, you know, I believe in Seattle. I do too. Um, do you want to talk about defensive player of the year? I was going to say, you just uh, brought up Howard. I do want to echo uh, your comments that definitely been, you know, impressed by her. And, you know, there was that great hustle play. Was it the beginning of the Seattle game uh, last night where she, like, dove into the corner yeah. to save that ball? Mm-hmm. And just, like, you know, just laying it all out there. No, she's, she's been tremendous. And I think she did. Um, did she get any votes for defensive player of the year? I don't think she did. Maybe I'm she did. I'm not sure that I saw that. Um, 
but yeah, I think, you know, so uh, Candace Parker wins the award. Candace Parker is definitely deserving, no doubt. Um, I just don't, to me, okay, so no, Natasha Howard did get one vote. Um, to me, basically all of the other players that got votes were better on defense than Candace Parker was, especially Alyssa Thomas, who finished in third place, and Alicia Clark, who finished in second place. I think at the very least, those two were better on defense than Candace Parker. And to be clear, like Candace Parker is going to be, would be on my all, all WNBA defense second team. So my all defense second team. But um, to me, I just don't, I didn't see her as the best defensive player this year. What about, what do you, what do you think? I mean, yeah. I, I, we got into that. I got into a Twitter fight over this yesterday. <laughs> I don't know if we need a Twitter fight. I mean, I wonder how much people were biased by the 9.7 rebounds uh, that she averaged for the season, right? Which led mm -hmm. the league and, you know, whether you view defensive rebounding as a defensive stat or a different skill, right? Um, yeah, she was she was ninth in um, the WNBA in blocks at one point two, but um, but yeah, you know Richard, our friend Richard Cohen, definitely biased. Uh, maybe with <laughs> an, a segment that he had in uh, his W dozen that he was putting out during the season, um, showing some clips of her, you know, not being very effective on defense. So I don't know that he's done the same dig in on the other two. I'm sure you can find similar. Oh, you well, I'm not sure you find, but yeah, maybe, probably you can find clips on the others. So. It's such a close call. I didn't think there was anyone that's like a clear, clear standout. But yeah, I mean, I guess we're giving Alyssa Thomas a lot of love. So she probably would have gotten my vote, I guess. But uh, I find defense, defense is so hard, I think, for people outside of a team to evaluate because you don't, you know, you can, you judge effort, you know, but you don't always know what the calls were and what the, what the strategy mm -hmm. is. Yeah, I think, you know, my, one of my problems with uh, Candace Parker was she was overhelping and she got beat back door a lot. But, you know, that could be the scheme, right? If, it's, if they're hedging on the pick and rolls and she's hedging really hard, then that's kind of on the guard if she gets – if her – if the role man gets the – or the weak side help if the role man gets um, to the rim. But to me, my biggest argument against Parker as the defensive player of the year is that her – the two best things that she did this year, in my opinion, is she boxed out extremely well, and that's <laughs> a very, very, very valuable defensive skill. I'm not discounting that at all. Boxing out is massive. Because you need you need the defensive rebound to end the defensive possession, and she was great in the weak side help. Again, massively important defensive skill. However, for me, my the, the things I like I, I want to pick in my defensive player of the year are on ball defense and rim protection. And Candace Parker was a really good rim protector, um, but I think just on ball defense, Alicia Clark and Alyssa Thomas are better. Uh, rim protection, Stewie was better. Natasha Howard was better. Nafisa Collier were better. Brianna Turner was better, right? So I got to say, let me know that Stewie block last night was amazing. Uh, yeah. Bantam had that sweet move. You were just like, oh, that's beautiful. Then Stewie came out of nowhere. Not really nowhere, but uh, yeah, that was great. Yeah, I think that the same arguments that apply for against Candace Parker also kind of apply to Stewie, um, other than Stewie just having one of the best defensive teams ever around her. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, ultimately it's fine. Uh, I just think that there was a lot – you, you can't just look at defensive rebounding and say, oh, that's, that's what she did because she did get some Westbrook rebounds, as I like to call them, where the rest of the team got out of the way and let her get the rebound to start the break. And that's, that's, that's not like, oh, oh, they're giving her rebounds. Like, no, no, that's very valuable to have Candace Parker starting the break, but it was slightly inflated. I think positive residual also had a really nice thread on um, – mm, yeah the potential flaws of some of these all-in-one stats like PIPM and um, their estimated contribution that, you know, it shows, it kind of skews um, skews things to make it look like a player has a bigger impact when they're on court, off court. Yeah, no, that was a great thread. And, you know, the thing to me that I think is particularly important is the, which I think Ben Dahl raised, is that, you know, there's so little time when the best players in the league in the WNBA are off the floor that you know the looking at on versus off numbers like I think that's valuable in general but you know if you only have a few minutes you know we're talking about Alyssa Thomas right and in particular but all these players you know if they're not playing uh, if there's not a sample when they're off the floor that's pretty big it's really hard to get a good estimate of how the team is when they're not playing especially you know when they're not you know, it's generally second team, second team, and first team facing first team. So we don't see a lot of like the difference between, you know, Alyssa Thomas and her backup, you know, against Candace Barker, against uh, Nafisa Collier, right? It's like 
you know, t- uh, Thomas and Collier are facing off. And so there's sort of an absence of data about how someone else would do uh, in that matchup. Yeah, I think for defense is just, you got it. You have to know more. Yeah, yeah, you have to, I mean, not, and I'm saying I can't really do this. Like right. you have to grind tape and you have to know a ton about basketball. Um, so, I mean, I try, I try to watch film and I try to make notes and I try to say, oh, this is that. So I, I just think to me, she was not my choice, but uh, totally deserving. And I think, you know, Candace does get a boost from being a legend. So um, ultimately, it's fine. Um, I think you're hedging too much. If she's not your choice, then she's not totally deserving. She's, well, it's just like this year is so crazy because like we only had yeah. 22 games. So I, could, I, I, I picked random people throughout the season. I had many, many defensive player of the years. I'm sure I had Candace at some point. Um, just at the end of the year, she didn't happen to be my pick. So she, it's, uh, it's ultimately a, a rational and defensible choice. Yes. There we go. It's a defensible choice. Not what I would pick, but uh, I'm not going to, I'm not all up in arms about it. Also, you shouldn't be all up in arms. If I say that it's not my pick either, like relax, <laughs> this basketball, this doesn't matter. We have many, many more important things to be up in arms about. I can't believe you slighted her and said, she's what the third best player in the wobble this year on defense. I said she was like the sixth best player. Oh, okay. Uh, what an insult. Although, yeah, it was, I it just, I'm insulting her, her legacy. I actually think I had her fifth in defensive player of the year votings right at the end of the year. So she's the fifth best defensive player in the year. Yeah. Candace eat, eat that disrespect. <laughs> sure. I'll get it. We'll get a, we gotta get a hashtag for that. We need to come up with disrespect synonyms. I think I had one for, um, God, I don't remember. It was Indiana. Oh, it was insulted. Insulted. <laughs> there you go. I am capitalized. I, I have I've been trying to come up with a few of these because everyone see C T is good. I get that part of it, but Well, I love it. I and this is like just like it's happened forever. This is this is not new. Like every team Michael Jordan talked about this in the last answer, right? Like yeah, everything yeah, took And then and then in two thousand and thirteen, right? The fever are defending champions. They were terrible mm-hmm. at the beginning of the year. And then they get to the playoffs and they start saying, we're the underdog. It's like, what? You guys just won the title. How could you be the underdog? Like you're the two, you know, you're the three seed. Um, but yeah, so I, I appreciate it though. I hope Candace, Candace, you could take this however you want. I hope you, I hope you uh, prove me wrong again next year. Yeah. And the more, you know what, the more people feel disrespected and, and towns like her are in this league, the better it is for us. Right. So this is all part of your master plan. You're playing 3d chess, as they say. 3d chess to, uh, to make sure that everyone feels disrespected and hated on and plays a tremendous basketball. So I get to enjoy it. It's fantastic. <laughs> I love it. Cool. Whatever gets you up in the morning. And, uh, yeah. for me getting up, uh, to record this podcast to you, uh, that was, that was part of my motivation to get up this morning. So I really appreciate you joining us today. Uh, Gabe, you always do such a great job of this and the courtside with, uh, Christy and Gabe. So where can our listeners, uh, follow you on your various social media platforms? Uh, well, obviously follow uh, her hoop stats because that's where we do our good answer. Um, Yes, yes. That's where we do our WNBA uh, pregame, postgame, and happy hour shows. Whatever we're calling it, it's Miche, Miche Jennings and Calvin Wetzel who um, do that. It's been a ton of fun this year, so make sure you guys check that out. We're going to plan to continue it uh, into the college season as well. And you can follow me, though, on Twitter, at Gabe underscore Ibrahim, where I will be yelling about three things mainly. WNBA, first and foremost. Secondly, the Miami Heat. Third, the Miami Hurricanes football team. Mm-hmm. And I apologize for the football today. Yeah, yeah. I apologize for the football team. That's just like my life. So you know, I want to share. I want to share with you guys. Come, Miami, come, come Miami must be place. a nice place to uh, be from. Yeah, it's it's a great place to be from. I don't necessarily <laughs> know if I'd li- go back and live there because it does happen to be in the state of Florida. Um, but it is nice to be to be from there and have a and have my family there, so I can always go back and visit. Except for yeah. in twenty twenty. The best of both worlds at some level, yeah. And, uh, you know, you mentioned the uh, live streams you've been doing. Uh, are you willing to reveal your master plan for Sunday? Yes. So Sunday, well, I have to talk to you. We're definitely doing a pregame show for Sunday. Um, <laughs> we will have a pregame show before the games, which I believe are at 1 p.m. Yeah, on, 1 and 3. Yeah, 1 and 3. So we'll be having one starting around noon on uh, Sunday. And noon then Eastern, we're- no West Coast, no East Coast bias on this podcast noon eastern whatever my my next our next podcast we're talking about the one true time zone that we're going to have in this country we need max two time zones people uh but east eastern time 
12, uh, noon Eastern time. We're going to be going live on the Her Hoop Stats uh, YouTube and Twitter. And then we're planning to do a post-game show after that 3 p.m. game between Seattle and Minnesota. So come hang out with us. We talk, uh, we talk a lot of hoops. We make a lot of jokes, as, as you can see, with my one true time zone. And maybe if you tune in, you can hear me complain about it. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I'm not sure if that's <laughs> going to attract more uh, viewers or turn people away, Gabe. But it has been great. I do really enjoy the work that you, uh, you and Calvin you. are doing on air. And Shay has been just amazing, amazing. Uh, behind the scenes. It's like a very uh, professionally produced looking uh, uh, live stream. So I've been very happy with how that's been going. And yeah, I, pre I said, follow us on at Her Hoop Stats for all our stuff. You know, we have more articles coming out, our WNBA stats site. want to make sure people are uh, visiting there. And then follow us, of course, on uh, social media, in particular Twitter. But also we do uh, have Facebook and Instagram. So we're not on the TikTok, as uh, you were saying earlier, Gabe. But, uh, but yeah, no, we really appreciate all the support everybody's been giving us. And uh, thanks a lot for listening today. And uh, let's hope we get a couple of good games on Sunday.